0: Amen. Thank you. Brother, remember when I seen you the first time, I asked you, did you play the violin or the fiddle? I believe you played the violin. How about you? Amen. That was beautiful, brother. Thank you for coming today and blessing us. And What a blessing to be able to worship Jesus. And Jesus has given us so many ways and so many things to use to bless him. But no matter what you got, thank God that violin was here today. But the only thing you can really... Worship the Lord with is your heart. Amen. Because if your heart ain't in it. Doesn't matter what else you got. But if your heart's right with Jesus. And you know Jesus. And you love Jesus. And you got things where they ought to be with Jesus. When you show up at God's house. Jesus' church. You know what happens? You worship him. You praise him. Because he's so good. And I don't know about y'all. I thank God for Jesus. And there's so many people today. That talk about Jesus, love Jesus, but I'm going to tell you what else I love. I love Jesus' church, the body of Christ. And I remember when an old black preacher told me, y'all heard me say it more than once, he said, if the church ain't your mama, the Lord ain't your daddy. If you love Jesus, you're going to love what Jesus loves. And Jesus loved the church. He loves the church. In fact, the Bible says this. It says, also, as Jesus loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish. God's not coming back for what a lot of us has accepted as biblically ordained church. It's coming back for a church where Jesus is Lord. Where he is honored and glorified and he is the most important thing in people's lives. That he has brought into a relationship and regardless what a lot of people accept it. You can't be in a right relationship with Jesus if you're not rightly connected to his body. The church of the living God. If Jesus saved you, he's going to find you a church home, a family, somewhere that he's going to plug you in where he's going to bless you. You'll never be to the fullness of who Christ wants you to be when you're by yourself, isolated, playing Lone Ranger Christian. There ain't one. Christians are saved to be put together because it's through one another Learning to love one another like Jesus loves us that we grow in Christ and become the people that Jesus wants us to be. This morning, I want to talk to us on the topic after we say our prayer this morning on what the Bible says about the church. Not what you have heard or not what you see. And before we read our passage today, I want to ask you if you got your Bible because you know what? You can't be the church God wants you to be. You can't be the person you want to be that he wants us to be without a Bible. And so I'm going to ask you this morning just to let's thank God. Father, thank you. We have a Bible this morning that we hold one in our hand. Thank you that it contains the complete and full word of God. And the earth will pass away and the flesh of mankind will pass away, but the word of God shall never pass away. Help me this morning, Lord, as your preacher, to preach your word today. Help your church to hear it and understand it. And Lord, we promise to obey and keep your word. So sanctify us with thy word. Your word is truth. Lord, I pray today that you'll help us to be a church. That is the church you died for us to be. A church when you come back will bring you glory. That you, by your grace, will make into that awesome church that you died for it to be, in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I want to talk to us about what makes a healthy church, because a healthy church thrives, my friend. It's not in survival mode, it's thriving. It's bearing fruit. I'm not talking about it has money and programs, I'm talking about it has life that only God can make happen in it. Lives that are different, lives that are changed, life that because everyone is in Christ, they're new creatures and old things are passing away and all things are becoming new. And the church should be filled with sanctified people who exemplify holiness because of the one who saved us by his grace. And a healthy church is not going to be having to worry about making things happen, producing things. It's going to happen out of the natural result of rightly being related to Jesus. Walking in fellowship with him in a true lifestyle of communion. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branch. And he said, if you are connected to me like the branches to the vine, you will bear fruit. He said, and my father, the vine dresser, will go to work in your life. And he'll prune on you sometimes. Sometimes he'll fertilize you. And he'll make it where you even bear more fruit. That's the will of God for every person who's saved by his grace this morning. So the question is, what makes for a healthy church? It's not what most people think. I want to start a series of sermons. We won't preach them all right away, right to week. But if you come regularly, you'll be tying them together with us. And it's going to start with the pastoral epistles. A healthy church has elders, pastors. It has men of God called to be your shepherd, your overseer or bishop. And a healthy church has deacons. They're all men of God who are ordained by God to oversee and lead the work of the church. And you're reading here in the pastoral epistles that were written by Paul... To two young preachers who he personally knew. Who had been called not long into the church's life. It was very young and early in its age. And already in its infancy, not very long after Pentecost, the church has got issues that God is calling people to help so that the church can be healthy. An unhealthy church will never accomplish what Christ wants it to do. It will struggle it will just be focused on surviving another Sunday instead of thriving to do what God wants it to do. And too many churches today are in survival mode when we ought to be celebrating today because God is thriving because of his grace and goodness in our life. And you can spot Christians who's walking in the grace of his presence because they're thriving, they're happy. They're not looking at what they don't have. They're thanking for Jesus for what they do have. Can I get an Amen. And friends, as Paul wrote this letter, he wrote it to Timothy, and he wrote these words that we're going to read. This is the whole purpose of the book. Paul's purpose for writing was that he was gone. He was off on some other missionary adventure and work for the Lord Jesus. And he had founded the church of Ephesus where Timothy has been placed by Paul. He'd also found a church... In Crete where Titus had been placed. Young preachers who Paul had ordained by his personal hand. Who he had seen called into the gospel ministry to worship Jesus and serve Jesus through leading the church. And Paul says, these things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I'm delayed, he's saying, Timothy, I'm writing these things so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Most people do not think of the church in that way. We think of the church as where we go to get fellowship, where we go to hear the word, where you go maybe to get saved, and certainly you should get saved at church. But friends, listen, the church should be going out there getting people saved. But you do know that the church, according to God, is the house of God. It's the the church is of the living God. It's the pillar and ground of truth. That's something that means something to God. And Paul, when he first started, if you look with me and you're in that place with me in your Bible, and I hope you are, I want you to look with me at a verse in chapter 4, verse 14. Paul says, Timothy, do not neglect the gift that is in you. The gift that is in him is he's been called by God. To pastor a church he's been given that appointment by God if he didn't get that appointment from God the Lord forbid if he gets in charge of a church and it says right there which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership he said what we did Timothy if you remember the rest of the elders the rest of the pastors having seen the call of God on your life we ordained you, we laid hands on you. If you flip over to chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, it's just a page over. He says in verse 6, I personally did this. He says, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And I want you to see the first thing that God told Timothy to do. It wasn't, Like a lot of people think pastors are supposed to do. The first thing when you go to the front of the letter. The third verse. Verse 1 says, this is from Paul, an apostle called by God. And it's to Timothy, a true son in the faith. Timothy, as I urged you when I went into Macedonia. Remain here in Ephesus at the church of Ephesus where I placed you. That you may charge some. That means command, demand. That they teach no other doctrine. You see what's wrong with too many churches. Is that we just go by whatever doctrine we want. We do whatever we want. How we want. We don't go to the word of God. We don't build it on the foundation of God. And then we wonder why it's not working. The way God says it will in the Bible. If you want the church to be what it says in the Bible. You have to do it the way the Bible says. The same way in an individual life. If you're. Marriage is not built upon the doctrines of what the Bible teaches about marriage. You're going to have a weak, unhealthy marriage and they're everywhere. If you have a family come out of that marriage and your family is being built and it's operating outside the doctrines and the teachings of the word of God on how a family ought to be, you're going to have a dysfunctional, messed up family. Can I get an amen? They're everywhere. And the church is their hope. So if they're going to find hope, they got to go to a church that's doctrinally sound. A church that knows how to do it God's way. If the church is filled with people who are married who are out undoctrinal, and their marriages are undoctrinal, and they gather together, and the church becomes undoctrinal, the church will never be healthy. And Jesus died to have a church, it said in that verse, that's without blemish, without spot. He's coming back to get a glorious church. That his blood makes into the holy church that we're supposed to be so he says preach no other doctrine the first thing he tells titus in chapter one is the same thing the fifth verse he says for this reason titus i left you in crete that you should set in order the things that are lacking you know what earliest when paul was still on the earth churches that paul planted were lacking things so what did god do he gave them pastors to help set and order those things that are lacking. And he says, so appoint elders. That's a pastor or a, a, a bishop in every city as I commanded you. And then just like in Timothy, he gave us the, the, the qualifications for a pastor and the qualifications for a deacon. I've been getting asked a lot. Why don't we have more deacons? We only have three. Well, some of them went to be with Jesus. Some of them's taking care of other families that can't be here. They got shut-in deacons. Some of the deacons we have are, 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 are getting old. You see, deacons come from a healthy church. A healthy church is automatically going to have deacons raised up, men of God, who meet these qualifications. And he gives you the qualifications. They're pretty close together. But when you read, if you turn with me to... It's just three books over there, real close together. They're easy to stay apart. If you turn with me to Titus, he gives you the, the, the qualifications that speak to a man's character. Speaks to a man's behavior, his actions. And he says right there, verse 5, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking, appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. And if a man is blameless... The husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation. That word dissipation, I'm not familiar with some words, so I pulled a brother, Dennis. I looked it up, and that means it's speaking of dissipated living. It says that what it's talking about is to not be to drunkenness and sexual dissipation. It says a man whose children believe and are not open to being wild and disobedient. That's what he's talking about there in that verse. And he's saying right there, he says, having children not accused of dissipation or insubordination. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money. But hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, and self control Guys, that should be as a whole. No one will perfectly fulfill all those at all times every day of his life. But as a whole, he, 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 his life practices that. Now, that's telling you how he should be. The next verse tells you what he's supposed to do. It says that he is to hold fast the faithful word of God. That means he's to take a hold of it and not let go of it. And he is to have a right, correct grip of it. And he is rightly being able to rightly divide the word of truth and preach it to you people. Needing not be ashamed of how he lives. He says holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught. He's already been taught. He already has a grasp of doctrinal truth. That he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Why is that important? Look at the next verse. It says. For there are many insubordinate. Both idle talkers, deceivers. Especially those of their spoken decision. He's talking about Jewish. non believing Jews. And even some who did believe. Friends, if you don't believe people are insubordinate to sound doctrine. First of all, we have a bad thinking in the church of sound doctrine. It immediately turns us off. That's boring. That's all that old denominational stuff. No, it's biblical stuff. It's in the word of God that we are to live by sound doctrine. Have you ever took time to see how many times it talks about it? You say, well, what does it mean to have sound doctrine? Well, doctrine, if you look it up, in the Holman Bible Dictionary, is Christian truth and teachings passed down from one generation to the next generation as the faith that has been delivered to the saints. You get it from the Bible. That's where you get it from. Without doctrine as a framework, the church has no coherent system of beliefs. It believes whatever it wants, and that's what's happening to the church. Insubordinate people who are not under the authority of the word of God or God's way of running his church have decided that we don't need to go by the word of God and some people they don't ordain men they ordain women. Some people don't ordain men that honor the qualifications. They ordain men who are in same-sex relationships and find me one denomination that did that, that is blessed because of it, that is prospering because of it, that is bearing fruit. They're all going down. Some of them barely exist who made these unhealthy, unsound decisions. But I'm here to tell you the church doesn't have to embrace open homosexuality and Direct opposition to the basic truths of the qualifications by ordaining women to get out from under sound doctrine and get poisoned and like cancer with unsound doctrine. It's so easy. The Bible says that in the last days, some will depart from the faith, teaching and embracing doctrines of demons And the church today has embraced everything but sound doctrine. You say, well, what is sound doctrine? See, doctrine serves as a vital and necessary role within the life of the church and the life of the believer. The foundation, the source book, and the authority for developing doctrine is the Bible. Not traditions of men. Not what all the other churches are doing. What the Bible says we are to do. And a lot of us don't even know really what the Bible says. You know, not only that, but I want you to think about this. Qualified elders, they're going to teach sound doctrine. But today, the church don't want preachers that preach sound doctrine, that call sin, sin, that call immorality what it is. Drunkenness is drunkenness. It's not a disease. It's a sin. (laughs) Homosexuality is not an alternative lifestyle. It'll send you to hell without Jesus. And if you get Jesus, he'll take you out of that lifestyle into a lifestyle of him. It's not that we hate any of them. I am an old drunk, amen? Saved by the grace of God. Friends, when God saves you, he comes into your life. And he begins to put a lifestyle in you that's built itself on sound doctrine. That's why he says, but as for you, speak the things that are proper for sound doctrine. Look how many times sound doctrine is mentioned. Go back with me just back to Titus. I mean to Timothy where we started. And I want to show you something. He tells Timothy in chapter 4. Right below where we started in 1 Timothy. In that verse I just quoted to you. He says, now the Spirit expressively says in verse 1 of chapter 4. That in the latter times. We are in the latter times folks. Some will depart from the faith. People are departing from the faith Every day. They go to college and they come back woke (laughs) because they wasn't built upon a foundation of sound doctrine. They were built upon youth group and um, going to church and having fellowships. But they wasn't built upon the word of God. And if you're not built upon the word of God, your relationship with Jesus will be tough. And so look at what he says right here. He says when you get down in verse 6, if you instruct the brethren in the things you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Instruct, nourished in the words of faith, and the what kind of doctrine? The good doctrine. So if he says there's good doctrine, obviously there's bad doctrine. Can I get an amen? Now what happens if you begin to go to a church full of bad doctrine? Well, look at what he says. He says, not only do you believe it, but you follow it. Timothy, which you have carefully followed, not casually followed, carefully followed. Guys, the reason so many of our marriages have become casualties and so many of our families are becoming dysfunctional and our churches are like that and they're not seeing what God can only do happen in them is because too many of us has embraced the philosophies and the thought of the world instead of God. We don't have a world view. I love Mike Johnson. Not because he's from Louisiana or he's a member of Cypress Baptist Church, but he's wise, he's bold, and he speaks with courage for Jesus Christ. He's our new, if you don't know yet, speaker of the house. Oh, Hannity got him first. Said, well, uh, who's Mike Johnson? No one ever heard of him. Jesus knew who he was. (laughs) How Mike Johnson got in, Brother Lane, he had me laughing. He said, it's almost biblical. Well, we know God had to have done it or he wouldn't be in there. (laughs) Now they're scratching their heads saying, how did we let this happen? Hannity said, well, people's wanting to know about social issues. Where do you stand? Mike said, go get any Bible off the shelf and read it. That's who I am. (laughs) That's where I stand. When they was trying to get him, they had everybody that they thought, was the one to do it they tried everybody them rhinos and them thought into the system apparently and they tried to get everyone and it wouldn't go it reminded me when Samuel got the word from God Samuel I just fired Saul he's no longer king I got me a new king down at Jesse's house you see God is in charge of who serves him and does what he wants to do not us We get to vote, but God ordains men and puts them where he wants them. And so they picked the one they thought He couldn't get them again there. They picked another one. It was like when Jesse went there, he brought the oldest. Jesse, oh, he looks like a king. God said, nope, he ain't the king. The next one comes. Well, certainly he must be the king. He looks like God said, no, he ain't the one. They got down to where they didn't have nobody left. That's what it looked like with Mike. Who they going to get? Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Mike Johnson... (laughs) who is mike johnson no one in pop there knows who he is and god said that's the one anointing when samuel seen david he said i ain't got but one son left he's my youngest he's out there keeping the sheep well go get him god said that's him he didn't look like a king he wasn't old enough to be a king but god said that's my king that's how god works He don't work the way we work and the way we think. He don't run business like business. He runs his church according to his word, through the spirit and by the truth of this book. And if he calls a man to preach, that man's going to preach his word. You see, the source of sound doctrine comes from Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Profitable for what is the first thing He says doctrine. The last thing most people want to go to church for is to be doctrinally taught the truth of God's word. They want to be tickled. They want to be made feel good. I love preaching Jesus. I wish I could preach Jesus this morning. I'd preach Jesus and I'm preaching Jesus. This is about his church. But guys, we can preach and get people saved, but if they come into an unhealthy church they're going to become an unhealthy Christian. And they need churches that want to do it God's way. With people who want to let God show us the foundation. And friends, listen. Not only is it profitable for doctrine, but it's profitable for reproof. Reproof is exposure. Remember when we had them old cameras? Brother Sam, you don't even know what they are. See, we used to have cameras that you didn't get to look at on your phone. You had to take a picture, and then you had to pick all your film, and and then you had to take your film out, and you had to take it to Walmart, and you had to pay them to expose it and develop it and when you got it back you got pictures and you got what proofs how many's old enough to admit it proofs that's what God's word does it reproofs us it exposes us how many of you came to church saying I sure hope brother Marvin exposes me this morning how many wants to be exposed you ought to thank God you do get exposed when you're in sin And listen to what else he says, for correction. I sure hope I get a good dose of correction. I've never heard anybody in 25 years of preaching on the door say, thank you for that correction, preacher. You reproofed me this morning. I don't do it. The Lord does it. I have heard people say, you've been looking in my window. I got that text saying, don't be mad at the pastor. He didn't know you was doing that when he preached that sermon. I love that. Thank you all for sending that to me. But it's for instruction in Righteousness. How many of you want to be instructed? If you want to be instructed, that's the heart of God. The people who don't want to be instructed ain't been around Jesus and don't know Jesus. Because when you meet Jesus, you know Jesus knows the way. You know Jesus is the truth. And you know that the life you're looking for is in Him. And you'll follow Jesus. You'll be instructed by Jesus. You want to be corrected by Jesus. Jesus, Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you for breaking me. Thank you for showing me that I can't stay in this spiritual condition and experience you. I can't be connected to my church when I don't love all of the church. Thank you, Lord. That's what the word does. Why? So that the man of God can be complete, mature, grown up, finished, thoroughly equipped. So he can say, praise God, I love my church. (laughs) No, for every good work, the church is so immature, the church is so about itself that you pick the church by what the church does for you. What's it provide for me? What does it do for me? What all does that church have when the reason God put you in the church is, yeah, the church is going to bless you. Yeah, the church is going to help you. Yes, the church is there to provide and to do the things. But when you get back on your feet, it's your turn now to be the church. By doing the things God's equipped you to do. Now friends, look at this one here. Sound preachers preach sound doctrine. Or they ain't a preacher. They preach the whole and complete counsel of God's word. They don't just pick out all the gospel. There's so many people in the church that all they know is Jesus died for me. And he rose again. And now he lives to help me. Praise God, that's true, and you can get saved this morning just on that truth. But friends, if that's all you ever go, you're milk. How long can a baby survive on milk? You ever seen a 30-year-old baby sucking a bottle? But we got people in the church that are still on the milk of God's word that have not grown, and then they wonder why they struggle in this God-forsaken, sometimes it looks like, world. Friends, God's give us all that we need. And he says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. That's what he tells the preacher to do. And do you know what he tells the preacher will happen? He told Timothy in chapter 4, of 2 Timothy. He says, preach the word, do just what that says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They won't want to hear sound doctrine. They won't want to hear about living godly and... Forsaking the world and living for the Lord and serving him through the church. They just want their own desires to be fulfilled. Because they have itchy ears. They'll heap up for them teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth. And turn aside to fables. But you preacher of God. Verse 5, you be watchful in all things. You endure afflictions. They're coming if you preach the word of God. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Paul said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. I'm a sacrifice for the gospel. But I'm going to preach it. The time of my departure is at hand. But God up to this point has delivered me from every." Thing that the hand of the enemy has brought and he will be with me to the end and he said, I'm going to be with Jesus who will reward me and everyone else who loves him and looks forward to the appearing of his coming. Friends, listen. The gods, the gospel, yes, we preach the gospel. Everything we do is to build a foundation to promote the gospel, to Share the gospel. But guys, you can't just know the gospel, the basics, tenets of what the Bible says and be a mature Christian. You got to get in the word. Even the secular, Bible, secular dictionary says that doctrine is a belief or set of beliefs held and taught by the church. And friends, that comes right from Webster's. Now I want you to think about this with me. Qualities of a healthy church. Sound doctrine. That word sound means healthy. How many of you heard the saying, he's of a sound mind? Now, they've never said that about me. (laughs) He's of an unsound mind. But they said, me being of sound mind and sound health means good health. Healthy and doctrine, you know what it is? It's the truth, the beliefs, the, the, the things that God gave us. That's where healthiness comes from. You'll never be godly and experience godliness till you have spiritual healthiness. And if you're healthy enough to have godliness, that's Christ-likeness, the, the, the life of Christ being what? Manifested in your life? See, he says that. He says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the good and the perfect and the acceptable will of God. What is his will for every one of our lives? To become like his son, to be like Jesus, to be able to do what Jesus put us here to do. You'll bear fruit, my friend. And I want you to think about this with me. Paul said, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself. In the house of God friends if you are a man in this church and you love this church and you know God put you here you need to start studying and meditating and looking at the qualifications of a deacon because this church desperately needs young men that God raises up that are going to serve the Lord and I'm praying for whoever they are for God to reveal them not me not other deacons and not us how do we know who they are first you start with the doctrinal truths of scripture you look at the qualifications you see what it says a church with only three deacons is not going to go very far in the day and time in which we live they're going to have to get newer younger people in the deacon ministry if you don't have to have deacons they wouldn't be in the bible but they're in the bible A lot of people said, don't get deacons. They just cause you trouble. Preachers have told me that. I said, if they're in the Bible and they're biblical deacons, they won't cause you trouble. If they ain't biblical deacons, yeah, they'll cause you trouble. But if they're biblical, built upon sound doctrine, they'll do what deacons do. Serve the Lord by serving his church. Helping the pastor to do his job. So that he can bless the church. And then the church begins to become healthy. There's one other thing that I'd ask you to read a while back. And I promise we're going to be quick. You see what we do here at the Baptist Church. Is we try to model our church from the scriptures. And I believe that the Baptist Church. Like every other church is not perfect. None of us will ever be perfect upon this earth. Until Jesus calls us home. But guys we are to be striving to be. Faithful to the truth that he's revealed and be obedient. And friends, he's showed us not only in these three epistles, but the whole Bible. You see, it says all scripture is given by inspiration for God and is profitable for doctrine, every page of it. And so we got a lot of stuff in here that we can look at. You know, we have in our Baptist churches what they call pastors, deacons, and they have what we call committees. I would rather call them ministry teams because a lot of times committees think we meet and we have a chairman. I would rather have a ministry team that has a team leader that leads a group of people that are on that list to do ministry. You can't do ministry sitting in a room writing stuff on a piece of paper. Ministry happens out there. Touching people, talking to people, meeting people's needs, organizing people, putting them together into teams that do the work of ministry for the Lord's church. We get a perfect model, and it's over here in Exodus chapter 18, believe it or not. You said, what's Exodus 18 got to do with the church? It's got a lot to do with a Baptist church. And I want you to turn there with me, and I want you to see something. No one would think this verse is important in that passage, but it's very important. And so it was on the next day. If you're familiar with this, and we're fixing to be through in about five minutes, maybe ten. Moses has just took the children, and they have experienced their great salvation, their exodus, and they've been delivered from Egypt, and they're going out and They're out there, and now God's been blessing them and doing all kinds of miracles in their life. And Moses sends to his father-in-law, Jephro, to go get his wife and kids and bring them to him. And Jephro's coming. And when Jephro gets there, Moses did just what we ought to be doing. This morning, we ought to be bragging about Jesus. We ought to be praising Jesus. We ought to be telling everybody about what Jesus has done. And Moses immediately starts to tell his father-in-law about how, how... the Lord has delivered them from Egypt. And how he did all these mighty miracles. And how the hand of his God overcame their false gods. And, and Jephro's praising God. Moses is praising God. Jephro or Moses 1 said, this is so good. We need to have a worship service. Go get all the elders. Go get Aaron into the priest. Bring them up here. And Jephro who was a priest to the high God said, we're going to have an offering. We're going to have a worship time. And that's what they do. And it says in verse 9, if you look at it with me. Then Jephro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. The church today ought to be rejoicing just like them for all what Jesus has done for you. How he's delivered us. How he's kept us out of the chaos of what we see our fellow Americans going through without Jesus. Who are outside the church. Who don't know about sound doctrine. Who are living a lie. Living on their own opinions. And the philosophies of the world. And so... He says, then Jephro rejoiced. And Jephro says in verse 10, Blessed be the Lord. So we're here today. Blessed be the Lord. Jonathan and them and that fiddle, they helped us do that this morning. Who has delivered you out of the hand of Jesus and out of the hand of Pharaoh and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. All of us in here have been redeemed. We're not going to hell. We're not controlled anymore by the devil, the flesh and the world. We've been brought into the fellowship of Jesus. And look at what he says. Verse 11, now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. We know that Jesus is the true God. He's greater than all the other gods. Allah ain't got nothing on Jesus. And look at what he says. Then Jephro, verse 12, Moses' father-in-law took a burnt offering and another sacrifice to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses, his father-in-law, before God. Today, that's what we came to do. We celebrate the sacrifice of the cross. We preach the delivering power of Jesus in his blood. We praise God. We go here. But then, the next verse. And so it was on the next day. You see, a lot of us go home tomorrow, and you don't think about the church till next Sunday. But the church is still here tomorrow on the next day. And it still has to help people who have troubles every day. Who need guidance and instruction every day. You see, the church doesn't cease to have to be the church. But oh, too many people in the church forget about the church till Saturday night. Well, I'm here to tell you, for those of us who are the church, that some of you know what I'm talking about. If you're the church, you are the church. 24-7, if you're a ministry team leader and you're over a ministry here, you don't just show up to do your ministry time. You're praying, you're thinking, you're planning, you're, you're asking the Lord to anoint, to lead, to bless, or you won't be fruitful. And you're spending time with the Lord and you're seeking the Lord and you're collecting with the rest of the People who are part of the church even on the next day. And you're working with the leaders so that we can show you what God can do and how he does it. And friends, he has a plan in, in Moses. The next day, it says in verse 13, And on the next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. How many of you have realized if you're in children's ministry, you don't have to just worry about them on Wednesday night and Sunday morning. Some of them parents is telling you stuff on Monday. Some of them kids is needing help all through the week. And the same with everybody else. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, see that's what the people who are the church. They're doing whatever they can, everything they can for all of the people of God. And so Moses stood before Moses in morning until evening, from morning to evening, from day to day, from week to week, that's what the church does. That's what people who are called of God does. So when Moses's father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, "What is this thing that you're doing for the people?" Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning till evening? And Moses says to his father-in-law, because the people come to inquire of God. How many of you have had to inquire of God? How many of you need to hear from God? Sometimes you need God to have a man to help you. That's what we do with the kids. We're inquiring with them of God. When they have a difficulty, how many of you realize life is full of difficulties that you don't have an answer for? That sometimes you got to go inquire of a more godly person, a leader in the church to help you. And look at what he says. And I judge between one and another and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. Making known the statutes of God, that's sound doctrine. That's teaching them what God says is true. And Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. You and both of these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out for this thing is too much for you. And you will not be able to perform it by yourself. Listen to me. And so he he talks to Moses. And he says, stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them. There it is again. That's what you do with doctrine. Sound doctrine. What do you teach them? The statutes and the laws of God. And show them the way they must walk. That's how they must live. And i never seen this to this week. And the work that they must do. Did y'all catch that? Moses, don't just go and help them not to be mad at each other. Don't just go and judge between what's right and wrong. Teach them how to walk and live their life. And then teach them once they learn how to walk and how to live for God. How to do the work that they've been called to do. And Moses said, what's the plan, Jephro?" And Jephro said, go and find leaders over thousands, leaders over hundreds, leaders over fifties, and leaders over ten. May I tell you that none of those leaders that was given a thousand knew their thousand people. But they knew the ten that had a hundred. The man who was found able and we're going to look at that when we look at deacons on what kind of men you pick you don't just pick who's been here longest you don't pick the most baptist you pick the most godly the most exemplifying men are able who fear god that's what it says and who have wisdom and he says that man that's over a thousand he's going to be over those 10 that are over a hundred and that man that's over those hundred is going to be over those ones that have 50. And those ones that have 50 are going to be over those men who have 10. And everybody's going to help hold one another accountable. And everyone's going to help teach one another how to do and what to do. And if it comes to something that's beyond their ability, they're going to come to you, Moses. They're going to come to the leadership. And then you'll deal with them and help them. But everything else that they can do on their own, they're going to do. If you're on a chairman of the committee, you are not there just to do it. You're there to oversee a team of people. We had people sign up on a sheet. Praise God. Four people joined a ministry team. Four people are leaders. That's your 10. That's your 50. That's your 100. You're to go and do the work of the people God put under you if you are truly that leader. I love people that know what they're doing when they're doing what they got. You know, all you got to do is hear, hey, man, this is what God told us to do, and this is what we fixing to do. Yeah, and you look, and it's all biblical, and they go do it, and it blesses, and it brings fruit. And it's, it's not wearing anybody out. It's making us flourish. It's making us fruitful. But when all we do is start looking at everybody else and trying to blame everybody, guys, I'm not here putting down this church is awesome. This church has more potential than 90% of the churches I've been and hear about. God's here. People's getting saved. We baptized 17 last year. We baptized 11 already this year. People are getting saved. I see new people sitting around this morning, even in this small crowd. But folks, the future of this church ain't behind you. It's in front of you. It's not built upon what you know. It's built upon what the Word of God says. And when we do it God's way, you'll get blessed. And that's what we're fixing to do. I believe God's going to raise up three men of God in here to be deacons, or this church ain't going to go very far. And I believe some of us have potential. I'm willing to teach leaders. I'm meeting with Miss Jessica, and we're going to meet with the team and the ones that are over the church renovation for the kids' church. We're fixing to get the new curriculum. And when she gets the new curriculum, those of you who signed that list, you're going to get a call from Jessica. She's going to have a meeting. She's going to show you what all to do and teach you and train you. And then we're going to do the work of children's ministry. Miss Carrie's doing awesome. Wednesday night, it's manned. It's got a group of connected, faithful leaders. And man, blast is unbelievable. Sam had 20 youth this Sunday. We had so many kids this Sunday on Wednesday night. We had almost we had a bigger crowd Wednesday night than this, I guarantee you. We had to get extra tables and put them out. The, 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 the Bible study, you need you missing out. The Bible study on Wednesday night is growing. Can I get an amen? Man, there's people coming. We talking about the end times and Israel and Jesus coming back. And man, but them kids are all in there and every classroom's got two dedicated teachers, leaders over them kids. They got a dedicated leader, Miss Carrie. I went in there, and I'm looking around. I ain't spying. I'm I'm checking things out, but I'm peeking in there. And Wednesday, she's got them all sitting on the floor all around her. And the first thing, old negative preacher, I said, dang, we went through all the trouble to buy them new chairs, and they sitting on the floor. (laughs) They ain't sitting in them. But I just sat there and listened. And man, she's going over to prayers with them and they doing prayer requests. And Bradley's praising God how he hit, blessed him in his surgery. And she's teaching them how to pray and the blessings and the benefits of prayer. And they're sitting around and they're learning and they're being taught and they're being shown what sound doctrine is. And friends, if we don't build the children's ministry on sound doctrine, we're wasting our time. If you don't build women's ministry and men's ministry and preaching ministry and worship ministry and youth ministry on the Bible, you're wasting time. And the church is wasting time when Jesus is coming soon. And, guys, we got more to worry about than money. We got more to worry about than who's doing what and who ain't doing what and who's mad at who or who ain't mad, who I like and who I don't like. Friends, I don't know about y'all. I love Jesus. And Jesus told me, if you love me, you don't have a choice. You don't only have to like them. You got to love them. Amen? So we ought to get over that. And we ought to unite. And we ought to say, Lord, together we can make hell shudder. And I think we have. That's why he's attacking us. If you ain't getting attacked, that's because you're not part of the threat. But how many of you knows what I'm talking about? He's been on the prowl, amen? You know why he's at your house? Because you are serious about this house. But guys, when we stick together in Jesus, we're unbeatable. We're unbeatable. We're invincible. And we settled for way too less in most churches today because we got the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and we've got the Son of God. And when you put all them three together, that's another Trinity and it cannot lose. Can I get an amen? I'm here to tell you I want to follow Jesus. I want to go by the Bible. I don't want to hear all this kind of stuff about this is how we always done it. This is what we only do. No, I want to hear what God's word says. And God says we're supposed to have deacons. Man, I'm looking around at some of you. Some of you, I'm telling you right now, I'm thinking you might be the one. If that scares you, you need to get to praying. Amen. But I'd rather be scared to be a deacon than be disobedient if God wants you to be and not be one. If I could, I'd quit so many times. But as hard as it gets to be sometimes to pastor, to preach, to stay faithful to the call of ministry, it'd be a lot worse to be disobedient and quit Jesus. Can I get an amen? I'm here to tell you, my friend, today is today for you to make a decision. Am I going to follow God in the Word of God? Am I going to follow him and his men that he's put around us and the leaders? Or am I going to just come to church like most everybody else and go home? God did not create the church to be a spectator sport. He created the church for us to not come and spectate. He created the church for us to gather together and participate. Can I get an amen? And we are participators. You're on the team. Somebody's the quarterback. Jesus is the coach. Somebody's the running back. Somebody's got a block. Can I get an amen? Amen. There's no good quarterback without a good offensive line. And if you don't think that things change, yes, it changes. Friends, we all need to work on the team together. And we got an awesome team here. We got enough people here right now to turn Bethany and Greenwood upside down for Jesus. But it's up to you what we do. It starts with getting saved. Getting saved is not hard to figure. Are you saved today? Have your sins been forgiven or you washed in the blood, or you filled with the Spirit and born again. Has Jesus come into your life, and is he in your life changing and working in you day by day, or do you just come to church thinking it's going to help? Jesus will save you and help you today. I want to invite you to stand with me. We're going to have a song of invitation. This is your song. This is your invitation, Bethany. This is the Lord's church, but it's the church he's called us to be. What kind of church are we going to be when Jesus comes back? Are we going to be the kind of church that he died and shed blood for? I hope we will. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I pray for Bethany Baptist. I pray for the lost that may be in our midst. And I want to thank you, Lord, that in the midst of these times when everybody seems to be going through motions and there seems to be times when we just want to, if we could, fly away like that song we sang. But Lord, you still got us here. You haven't called us home. If you was through with us, you'd have done that. We're still here. And Lord, I'm praying today for you to raise up men and women of God, men who want to stand on the truth, who want to build their lives on sound doctrine. Jesus, you said this, not me. You said and spoke of two people, a foolish man and a wise man. The wise man built his house upon the rock of your truth, your teachings, your doctrine. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And Lord, when the floods came and the difficult days showed up and the winds blew and the floods arose, that house fell because it was built upon the sand, the lies of the world. But the house that was built upon the rock, upon the truth, upon sound doctrine, it stood because it was built upon you, Lord, in your word. I stand with you, Lord. We stand with your word. Unite us today, Lord. Make us one. Help us to look past all the other stuff and to just see the important stuff. That where two or three are gathered in your name and pray, you're there. Where your word is being preached and your word is being honored, you're going to use it and bless. And where people are living and filled with your spirit, they're going to be fruitful and bear works worthy of the calling that you've put upon us. Lord, today, help people to answer that call. Lord, I'm praying that you'll raise up some men in this church to be deacons. That'll come to me and say, Brother Marvin, I want to talk to you. Could you sit down with me with the Word of God? Let's discuss this together about what's it mean to be a deacon. And Lord, I'm praying and believing there's some here, even in the sound of my voice. And I'm thanking you for them already, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your church. Thank you for the blood and for the, the, the cross that made it all possible. And Lord, help us to do our part and to obey and follow you today. In Jesus' name, amen.